The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mikhail Viktorovich Popkov, the werewolf, the Angarsk maniac. After his latest additional murder convictions on December 10th, 2018, Mikhail is now the most prolific serial killer in Russian history. Move over, Andre Chikatilo. There's a new piece of shit in town. Mikhail Popkov has been found guilty of killing 78 people, 77 women, one man, a fellow police officer. And yes, Mikhail was a police officer, a true monster. He used his badge for years to lure women into thinking he was safe and getting into his car. And then he'd drive them out into the woods and brutally rape and kill them. And he'd do this over and over and over again. His MO was murder with whatever tool was handy. He killed women with knives, hammers, screwdrivers, bats, and more. And then he'd rape them while they were either unconscious or already dead. And while he was doing this, doing this for possibly almost 20 years, he was also raising a daughter who after watching numerous interviews seems well-adjusted, all things considered, seems to be uh, doing great. Said he was always a great father. She was a daddy's girl. And he's married the whole time to a woman who stood by him, said he was a great husband, stood by him even after his initial murder convictions of 22 women, said that if he was released, she would never talk to him about it and just stand by him for the, for the rest of her life. We travel to Siberia today, a place pretty near the bottom of my travel bucket list, gotta be honest. And I piece together all the little puzzle pieces I can find on the web to build the most complete picture I can of a total sociopath, a man with the empathy of a rabid badger, a man Siberian prosecutors say is pathologically attracted to killing. It's another deep dive on another evil serial killing son of a bitch today on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, Meat Sacks. Hail Nimrod, hail Lucifina, praise Bojangles, and hail you, you beautiful bastards. I'm Dan Cummins, Bojangles Chew Toy, Triple M's vocal coach, 
And uh, and I like how I messed up saying vocal coach. That's how you know you're a real good vocal vocal coach when you actually can't say vocal coach quickly. Uh, you are listening to Time Suck. It's a new month, and we're donating to a new charity. Uh, thanks to the Space Lizards for supporting the show via Patreon and for letting us donate $2,000 this month. I'm very excited about that new uh, number. Uh, able to donate $2,000 this month to FPFK. FPFK teaches kids what schools and uh, often parents don't or won't how to have a healthy relationship with one's own sexuality. We live in a culture where a lot of people suffer from various body issues and and a lot of that comes from sexual shame. And FPFK normalizes healthy human sexuality, removes unnecessary shame and guilt from totally normal, healthy, natural urges and activities. So thank you, Space Lizards, for helping us donate to Free Porn for Kids. Uh, If you want to donate more to Free Porn for Kids, please go to fpfk.aprilfoolsmotherfuckers. Yeah! Oh, God, I hope I got at least some of you with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Tell me you thought I went off the deep end. Tell me you thought uh, I was actually uh, financially supporting some strange organization dedicated to giving children pornography. God, nah, I can't do that. Gotta let kids find it themselves. (laughs) It's part of growing up. No, we are donating to a new charity. Oh, man, I hope that worked. Uh, We've supported law enforcement. Uh, We've supported uh, the military and past charities. What about firefighters, though? Time to throw them some love. Uh, We have a lot of firefighter listeners, some right here in CDA, right? Craig, 10 over 6, are you listening? Uh, We're giving $2,000 to another uh, firefighting time sucker charity, Cameron Rhino Owens, uh, is the name of our time sucker, and the foundation we're donating to is the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, uh, specifically their one of their stair climbs. On Friday, April 12th, Cameron will be participating in his sixth stair climb to honor 9-11 firefighters who sacrificed their lives to save others. His goal is to raise $2,500 before the climb. So we're going to give him two grand, a uh, nice little head start on hitting that goal. Uh, participants climb 2,200 steps in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana, and the proceeds go to the uh, Fire Department of New York, the FD New NY Counseling Services Unit, CSU, and also the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation that does all sorts of good stuff for various firefighters and their various families. So link in the episode description, click Donate then donate to an individual, then type in the name Cameron Owens to make sure that, you know, a fellow time sucker and space leader gets some credit for uh, for doing something good. Hail Nimrod, Cameron. Isn't that a better, uh, isn't that a better charity than FBFK? I <laughs> uh, hope I had fun in Florida this past weekend. Had to record this episode in advance because Reverend Dr. Joe motherfucking Paisley decided he needed a vacation. He wanted to go to New Orleans uh, for a lovely trip with his lovely wife, Erin. Well, why? Probably because it's going to be awesome. Uh, I also hope uh, to have had, a, 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 or I'm hoping, hoping, hoping to have a lot of fun in Cleveland, Ohio this week. Going to be there Thursday through Saturday, uh, April 4th through 6th with another Live Hill Ant, uh, Live Ant Hill Kids Suck all over the place right now. I got so excited about my little lie. Uh, I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to be there April 4th through 6th. Another Live Ant Hill Kids Suck uh, in Cleveland, April 6th. Uh, Lindsay's going to be there as will, uh, as will so many other Polish people. Uh, we're going to get through it. Axis Apparel, also going to be there. Uh, they'll be in Cleveland for the live suck uh, for a special limited on-site printing. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa, one night only on April 11th. Kansas City, uh, April 12th and 13th. Nashville, back to Nashville on the 14th, being part of the Nashville Comedy Festival, doing a live Ant Hill Kids Time Suck at Zanies, one show only. Then on to the Texas Theater in Dallas, April 26th. 
Secret Group in Houston, Saturday the 27th. Uh, that show's almost sold out, so we're going to add a, we're adding a second show. If you want to go to the early show, get those tickets now. And then San Francisco, Boston, Spokane, Jacksonville, right around the corner. And a lot more. Check out uh, dancummins.tv. Look at the tour schedule for all of the Happy Murder stand-up tour dates. Uh, I got some quick political news before we uh, head over to Russia and suck the werewolf. Try to stay away from politics, but Nimrod is running for president. Yeah, yeah. Nimrod 2020. He's got campaign shirts. He's got a bumper sticker. He's got buttons. Vote Nimrod. Hail Nimrod. Uh, Nimrod's running for president of the whole world in 2020. He's going to be a great leader. Uh, Your glass is always going to be at least half full with Nimrod. Half full of monoatomic gold. Babies are getting kissed. Cocker spaniels are getting stomped. The wicked are getting punished. Wackadoodles are going to be finally made to use their brains correctly and think straight with Nimrod in 2020. No more divisions on race or religion or gender or sexual identification. Nimrod is a uniter and a scary motherfucker to help keep us meet sacks in line. Uh, not sure how Lucifina feels about him uh, running. We'll see if there's a call for her to join in the race. Uh, we have we have a thousand percent unicorn heart Nimrod 2020 t-shirts now uh, in the shop. Uh, they come with a Nimrod 2020 campaign bumper sticker. Uh, why? Because it'll confuse the shit out of so many people, and that makes me laugh. And that's fun to be silly. So vote for open discord. Vote for reason. Vote for fun. Vote for never-ending curiosity. Vote for trying to be your best self. Out with the old, in with God. Vote Nimrod in 2020. Also coming uh, this Thursday for Space Lizards and, uh, and then the following Monday for everybody else, Easter egg version of the uh, A-hole Air Banjo Tees, right? Back by popular demand again. And this time, just for the fuck of it, we're putting them in a giant plastic Easter egg because that's fun. You can make the Air, A-hole Air Banjo Academy part of your uh, part of your Easter egg hunt this Easter. You got to order them by uh, April 17th to get the, have them guaranteed to get there by Easter Sunday. If you order on the 17th, you'll have to uh, pay for expedited shipping to get them there in time. All right, so fun stuff, a lot of fun, a lot of joy, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, 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 a lot of, uh, ding, 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 That was me attempting to air banjo the, uh, not attempting, that was me fucking awesome, awesomely air banjoing the time suck intro. Now let's learn a little bit about Siberia and about one of the most sadistic meat sacks that unforgiving Tundra has ever produced. Yeah, I did have it. Before we jump into today's timeline, let's talk about where all these crimes took place. The land where the werewolf was born, grew up to be a hunter of women, Angarsk, Siberia, a name associated with gulags and frozen tundra. Uh, Siberia is an enormous area of land that makes up nearly all of northern Asia. It's made up of the uh, central and eastern portions of Russia. It encompasses the area from the Ural Mountains east all the way to the Pacific Ocean, Uh, You know, in Russia itself, the largest uh, country in the world by far. In total, Siberia covers 5.1 million square miles, 13.1 million square kilometers, over 77% of Russia's territory. Siberia is huge. Uh, Various nomadic tribes of people have lived in Siberia for thousands and thousands of years. In the early 13th century, Siberia was conquered by the Mongols. In the 14th century, the independent Siberian Khanate was established after the breakup of the Mongol Golden Horde in 1502 CE. Um, uh, yeah, uh, got to suck on the Mongols again one of these days. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I don't, you know, I took this again. I took this from, it says in the 14th century, the independence of Siberia was established after the breakup of the Golden Horde. That doesn't even make any sense. That would have to be in the 16th century. So anyway, Mongols. 
I take this stuff directly from sources, and sometimes I'm like, what the fuck? Why was it written that way? In the 16th century, Russia, uh, Russia began to grow in power, and it started to take lands from the Siberian Khanate. Um, yes, yes. In the 19th century, Imperial Russia and its territories began sending prisoners to Siberia. This is the Siberia I think of. At its height, around 1.2 million prisoners were sent over to Siberia. Uh, beginning in 19, or 1891, the construction of the Trans-Siberian Railway began to link Siberia to the rest of Russia. So more people were able to move, move out to Siberia from 1801 to 1914. About 7 million people moved from European Russia to Siberian Russia. Uh, and from 1859 to 1917, after the construction of the railroad was complete, Another uh, 500,000 people moved out to Siberia. And in the 20th century, industrial towns sprang up throughout Siberia as communist Russia began to exploit the area's uh, many, many natural resources. Angarsk is one of these uh, industrial towns. So that's Siberia, the broader setting for today's tale. Uh, now let's talk about a more specific city that the, the, the werewolf uh, preyed on, or preyed on the people of this city, Angarsk. Here, here's a very Russian description of Angarsk taken from RussiaTrek.org. This kind of Russian travel information website. I, I love the way that they describe things over there. In the summer of 1945, the area between the rivers Angara and Kitoy was chosen for a construction of the plant producing artificial liquid fuel. The equipment for the plant was brought on reparation from Germany. It was planned to build settlement there too. In October 1945, the first builders arrived there. In spring 1946, construction of settlements began. In April 1948, construction of two-storied stone buildings started. Oh, man, sounds super fun! But they have so many awesome water parks. Movie theaters, arcades, bowling alleys, frisbee golf parks, uh, bike trails. Lots of scooters. Oh, man, sounds so warm and fuzzy. Here's a description of some of the city's uh, key features. Trans-Siberian Railway in the Federal Highway M53 Bakal Pass through the territory and Angarsky District. The city is important node of pipeline transport. Passenger buses and minibuses carry up to 85% of passengers. And this next sentence may be my favorite descriptive sentence of Angarsk. Angarsk is in the list of Russian cities with the most adverse environmental conditions. Well, let me pack my bags. Woo! Man, they must make you so much tourism money. God, just raking it in. Uh, what do people do in this super fun city? Uh, they work in factories. So many factories. Like, like a crazy amount. Uh, more from RussiaTrek.org. A section uh, called Angarsk Industry. Angarsk is also known as City of Petrochemists. <laughs> it is one of largest industrial centers of Russia with powerful chemical and oil chemical industries. Machine building metalworking, light and food industries. The main plants are Angarsk Oil Chemical Company and Angarsk Electrolysis Chemical Plant produces fluoric uranium. The industrial area stretches 30 kilometers along the Angara River. Oh, man. An industrial area 30 kilometers long, almost 20 miles for a city of less than 250,000. It sounds like it's just one giant fucking factory. It sounds so preposterously bleak. <laughs> I, did, I did a Google image search for Angarsk, Russia, and almost nothing but just pictures of old dirty buttholes came up. So that, that says a lot. And that's not true. But I did, I did a real image search for, uh, and, and it is like the bleakest, it's the bleakest looking Russian city I've ever looked into. 
Oh, man, I it was built yeah during the height of communism, right during the height of the Cold War. And it's just like a planned communist city just built by people who, based on their design skills, have no souls or joy in their lives. Uh, the residential areas are just row after row after row of these like I can't stress enough how bleak and hopeless they look. These bleak, concrete, sad, communist like bunker apartment buildings. Oh. And then 85% of the town is taking shitty old Russian buses to work in shitty Russian factories uh, and then go back home to their shitty Russian concrete apartments. Fuck. And all of this in Siberia. There's a couple cool monuments and parks, and I'm sure there's a nicer section of town somewhere, but overall, it is a shithole. Uh, Angarsk is, is, yeah, it's located in the middle of nowhere. It's a, it's only a 45-minute drive uh, to uh, Irkutsk. Uh, a city of over 600,000. But other than that, there's not a lot of city anywhere near, just a lot of Siberian forest. Uh, 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 Irkutsk is, seems like a nice place for Siberia, like nice place asterisks. Uh, it's still located in an area with, <laughs> with the most adverse environmental conditions, but it isn't uh, like just a communist camp town. Uh, Irkutsk is actually uh, a, a proper city founded before communism. It was founded in the late 17th century. Diverse looking neighborhoods, actual homes, uh, theaters, universities, an international airport, various monuments. Overall, way more culture than Angarsk. Uh, Irkutsk is uh, is also only about 10, or 10 miles or 16 kilometers from the massive uh, Lake uh, Bakal, uh, the deepest lake, the oldest lake in the world, uh, a lake with a maximum depth of 5,315 feet, over 1,600 meters. It is huge. Its surface area is some 12,200 square miles. Uh, over 31,000, you know, uh, square kilometers, a length of 395 miles, 636 kilometers, average width of 30 miles or 48 kilometers. It is the world's largest freshwater lake. It contains uh, roughly a fifth of all of the non-frozen freshwater on the entirety of the Earth's surface. It's in this one lake. Uh, 5,500 cubic miles of freshwater. 23,000 cubic kilometers. It's the world. Yeah. And again, the world's oldest lake estimated to be around 30 million years old. I love random trivia like that. Roughly a fifth of all the fresh water on earth. Too bad it's in Siberia and not in like Northern Arizona. Man, think about, think about all the jet skiing. Think about all the houseboats. Think about all the lake parties. So much beer to be drank under the hot sun. Lots of bikinis. Fucking Siberia, though. Uh, Lake Bacall uh, lies in, uh, surrounded by mountains, some of which rise more than 6,600 feet, uh, over 2,000 meters above the lake surface. So uh, so when the weather's good, I mean, it's beautiful. It's very scenic. Uh, the area around the lake is very pretty. Uh, but let's get back into talking about how remote this area is. You, you have to drive south for over 1,000 kilometers, roughly 650 miles from Angarsk to make it to a bigger city uh, outside of Irkutsk, you know, um, and that's uh, Ulaanbaatar. That's the capital city, largest city of Mongolia, city of around 1.5 million people. The nearest uh, kind of bigger Russian city is uh, Krasnoyarsk, Krasnoyarsk, a Siberian city of just over a million. Drive of just over uh, 1,000 kilometers west. It's over 1,800 kilometers, over 11,000 miles to the next closest major city, Nova, Nova ah, fuck these words. I put, <laughs> I put... I put pronunciation guides next to 99% of them. Uh, Nova, Nova Sibirsk. Ah, fuck. What? It's, it's uh, Novo Sibirsk. Sibirsk. My mouth doesn't want to do it. Third largest city in Russia after Moscow and St. Petersburg. The largest city in Siberia, Novo Sibirsk, uh, with over 1.6 million residents. Super nice. 
RussiaTrek.org says the says the nicest hotel back in Krasnoyarsk is a Hilton Garden Inn. This is like one of the nicest hotels in Siberia. Seriously, I've stayed in many uh, Hilton Garden Inn, and they're nice. But in most American cities, they're like slightly above average. They're not usually in the top 10 of the best hotels in town. Snap judgment verdict of uh, this other Krasnoyarsk, uh, another industrial shithole, uh, as is kind of kind of Siberian general. And, and there aren't many other cities within uh, 3,000 kilometers. It's super remote, uh, you know, and Angarsk is. Uh, people think where I live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is super remote, and, and it is compared to uh, most of the continental United States for sure. But within uh, 1,000 miles of Coeur d'Alene, there's Salt Lake City, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Vancouver, Canada, you know, British Columbia, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Reno, Sacramento, San Francisco are within 1,000 uh, miles. Angarsk is like Fairbanks, Alaska remote and almost as brutally cold as Fairbanks. Uh, the average low for the month of February is negative 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Average high, 10 degrees Fahrenheit. No, thank you. Uh, no me gusta. Uh, that's the average temperature. That's the average temperature. It can drop to less than uh, 30 below. Last few pieces of trivia. The famous Trans-Siberian Railroad uh, connects Angarsk to other regions in Russia and Mongolia, and the city is home to a couple of super fun-sounding museums. You can go to either the Angarsk Museum of Clocks and Watches or the Angarsk Museum of Victory. <laughs> I found a little description of the Clock Museum on museumstudiesabroad.org. The Clock Museum in Angarsk make for a great day trip outside of Irkutsk. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. I've seen the pictures. Do not go. Uh, it says the museum has an impressive collection of clock pieces from all around the world of all different types, styles, and time periods. Quietly walking around the several exhibition rooms of the Clock Museum, you hear the constant sound of ticking from hundreds of different clocks, each with their own unique sound. That sounds like fucking hell to me. Uh, anybody out there uh, uh, other than me familiar with misophonia where you have like a severe aversion to certain noises? Oh, man. No thank you to the quiet Siberian clock museum. If you locked me in that museum, I would completely lose my shit in two hours tops. Uh, I googled the Angarsk Museum of Victory and my laptop just uh, actually said, <laughs> get, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? Uh, no, I found it. Uh, here's a verbatim review I found. Here's one verbatim review I found on TripAdvisor. <laughs> of the Angarsk Museum of Victory. In Angarsk, be sure to visit museum. A large number of exhibits brought by our soldiers as trophies. The museum has things from an earlier time. I just love that last sentence. It has things from an earlier time. Not not even cool things. <laughs> just fuck, it has some things. What's, what's in your museum? Ah, we got some things. We got some things from like an earlier time. I don't know if you like that. So this is a place the werewolf grows up. Now let's talk about this murderous piece of shit uh, in, in today's Time Suck timeline right after a quick word from today's sponsor. Today's Time Suck is brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular with Robinhood. You can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Time Suck. 
Time suckers a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at timesuck.robinhood.com. That's timesuck.robinhood.com. Link in the episode description, button in the TimeSuck app. TimeSuck timeline right now. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a TimeSuck timeline. Mikhail Popkov is born in Angarsk on March 7th, 1964. And honestly, we don't know much about his childhood. Uh, that's partly why I went into more detail than usual about his hometown. Trying to try to get a better feel for his life, at least where he lived, where he committed his crimes. Uh, we actually don't know a whole bunch about the details of his murders, uh, many of them, or his marriage. We know some of the murder details. Don't, don't, don't worry. Uh, or his career or his victims. This suck, I feel good about making an interesting suck. I, I learned a lot. I'm happy with it, but fuck the Russian government. Holy shit, fucking Russia. The Soviet Union is uh, is no longer this big, you know, communist uh, nation. But it still seems to be a shit show in many ways in Russia. Like, Russia is not a great place to be a journalist. They're no longer communist, yeah, but they're, but they're not really free in Russia either. The state controls a lot of the media. And the media they don't control, they can shut down if they uh, if they want to, and, and you know, and they have shut down various media outlets over the years. They're democratic in theory, but not in reality. The state has far more power than the state does in our own nation, the U.S. Putin was a, a KGB officer for almost 20 years. He was an official in Boris Yeltsin's administration. And when he was handpicked by Yeltsin to take over in 1999, he immediately pardoned him for corruption charges. Why? Because he was super fucking corrupt. Uh, Yeltsin was super corrupt. He, he, you know, uh, and, then, and then, you know, um, uh, Putin has funneled millions and millions into vacation vias or villas, excuse me. Other, ah, I'm, still, I'm still in Panama. Vias. is uh, in vac- uh, Vacation vias. No, but he's funneled millions into, you know, like luxury homes, vacations for himself and his cronies. He doesn't allow himself to be investigated. Russia may no longer be communist again, but it is still so corrupt. And when the president of your country is super corrupt, that corruption seems to often trickle down throughout the rest of your government. And I think uh, governmental corruption is part of why we don't know a lot about Mikhail Popkov as much as I would like to. The government did not do a good job of catching this guy. You know, they didn't keep a lot of uh, good records of what he's done. Compared to, you know, if this would have happened in the U.S. This is just my opinion after doing a lot of research into various Russian topics by now. So because of what I just told you, there is, there is you know, a lot of the sources are just kind of tabloidy. And a lot of it was just uh, poorly written bullshit that you had to really read several times to, to, to get some good info about the werewolf. Uh, corrupt authoritarian political leadership, strong investigative journalism don't go well together. So many conflicting reports about Popkov. So much uh, skimming over details. You know, and then also this happened in Siberia, a place, you know, almost no one wants to go spend a lot of time in. And uh, and because it happened, you know, very recently, uh, no good book has yet to be written about this sadistic fuck, which I get. You know, in order to write a good book, an author would have to quickly go to travel to Siberia, track down police records in a slow-moving bureaucratic nightmare system, uh, deal with the Russian government. Not fun. Uh, there's There's been no good Mikhail Popkov documentaries yet. It's too recent. Uh, you know, there, there's no good books not even like a decent Rolling Stone or Time Magazine expose type article. There's a couple podcasts that have covered him, but not very well. Not really their fault, though. There's just not much out there. Uh, the American news outlets like CBS, Fox, ABC, CNN, Washington Post, etc. have just kind of reprinted the same uh, Russian tabloid info I found. Uh, come on, New York Times. You usually do at least one in-depth look into a dirtbag like this pretty quickly. Uh, but no, I'm guessing the info just, just has not been released. The trial transcript... Uh, from either of his major trials, not available. 
uh, like it would be if it was uh, in the U.S., possibly. But there is enough for a show. There truly is. I, I just want to have all of the details you've come to expect from Time Suck, which is why I'm giving this little disclaimer now. I just want you to know why. It wasn't for lack of looking into. Um, like, like, I know he killed that one dude. He killed one guy. I know that guy was a police officer, but that's all I know. That is, that is all that is known about that killing. Uh, some details, uh, you know, are at the very least very buried, like very buried on the interwebs if they exist at all. I read the only book on him written in English. I watched a ton of videos, uh, all the all the English ones I could find. I'm pretty sure I read every single article on him that Google knows uh, how to access. And, and I didn't get everything I wanted, but I did. I, I got enough. I got enough. Hope you agree by the end of this suck. Uh, we don't know a lot about Mikhail's family. We know he has at least one sister, uh, Alina, who's been referenced uh, in various interviews recently. We don't know who his father is. Don't know if his father was around to raise him. Uh, we know his mother is Antonia or An- Antonia Popkov, and we know that she raised him and that she uh, has refused to believe he is guilty based on interviews. Popkov has also uh, made vague references to his mother uh, being abusive uh, when he was a child. Nothing too specific other than uh, he, he considered her to uh, to be kind of a drunk here and there or at least drank too much. It's kind of vague. Just a, a couple vague references about her uh, drinking and possibly abusing him. And, and I don't know if I buy it. It seems like a lot of these guys try to blame one or both of their parents instead of taking personal responsibility for their heinous crimes. So I, so I don't always take their allegations at face value. Nothing in the press has come out about uh, Anton- Antonia being abusive. No one else has uh, backed this up or given any credence to it whatsoever. And she seems to have really stood by her son. I don't know. It doesn't feel like that was a big thing. Uh, some have stated in podcast and articles that many of the victims looked like his mother and that he had mommy issues and that drove him to kill. But the better sources I've come across do not corroborate this. Based on the interviews I've watched and read, uh, I think that is just kind of lazy, uh, just not really thought out speculation, you know, like it fits maybe a, a pre-programmed narrative somebody has. That, that doesn't seem to be true What based on other things I've found. Uh, he, be- he later became a police officer. Uh, and nothing has come out about him having any sort of juvenile record. So I'm, I'm going to say his childhood for Angarsk, for Siberia, uh, probably fairly typical, probably, you know, uh, free of any major criminal activity based on where he's from. You know, it's like he, he grew up in a drab, industrial, shitty communist apartment, I'm guessing, like most of his neighbors in Pierce. Uh, sometime in the early 80s, after he's out of high school, he attended and then graduated from a police academy in Angarsk and then became a police officer. And that is where he would meet his wife, uh, Alina, a fellow officer. In 1986, Mikhail and Alina get married in Angarsk. He's 22. She's 20. Two years later, the couple has their first and only child, daughter, uh, Ekaterina. And by all accounts, based on photographs of the young couple, interviews with Alina and Ekaterina after Mikhail's initial arrest— he was a loving husband and father, and they had a solid family life. Uh, Alina would uh, describe Ekaterina as a daddy's girl. Uh, she's also called Katya sometimes. Katya would describe her father as a great dad. The family stayed in Angarsk with Mikhail, uh, and uh, Mikhail briefly switched careers in the 80s, in the 80s excuse me, uh, becoming a fireman for, for a little while. Popkov would later say of this kind of period of his life, I, I had the family. My wife and daughter considered me a good husband and father, which corresponded to reality. I was in the service, in the police, having positive feedback on my work. I never thought of myself as mentally unhealthy. During my police service, I regularly passed medical commissions and was recognized as fit. 
maybe it's just the way it translates into English, but 90% of the time when I'm reading a quote from somebody living in Russia, the way they talk sounds like they just fucking hate their life. So unemotional, so non-expressive, so so very like cold and just matter of fact, you know? I make a good police officer. I recognized as fit. I have many positive feedback on work. After take bus home and eat old soup in small cement apartments with no carpet, I lay on cot next to silent wife and stare blankly at ceiling. I think to myself, how lucky I be to get to live in Angarsk. How lucky I be to make money enough to wake up tomorrow and live a dream over again. Uh, no wonder we keep coming back to Russia for serial killer sucks. Uh, so much of Russia just seems to be a, a nightmare. Uh, despite claiming to have a happy marriage, uh, you know, clear, clearly not everything was perfect at home because Popkov would years later, after getting caught, blame his wife, uh, Alina, for his killings, specifically on something she did. Uh, sometime in uh, in between around 1987, 1992, she had an affair that Popkov uh, found out about. I bet I bet he got so emotional. My my wife accepts penis that's not mine into vagina. I not care for it. I'd rather my wife not do that. It make me less happy than should be. Uh, during a TV interview on the state-funded uh, Razia uh, One channel, he blamed his wife's, quote, treason for his attacks on women. He said, there was an incident with infidelity of my wife. Then I, if I can say so, treated that young man. Not sure what he means by treated, but strongly suspect he, uh, he means a beating. I think he probably beat the fuck out of that guy. Uh, he didn't kill him because that guy would uh, uh, admit to the affair after the werewolf was caught. He's still around. That guy was also a police officer and a police officer who worked al- uh, also with Alina. Uh, Popkov didn't catch him red-handed, but he came close. He caught them at his house together and then later found two used condoms in the trash can and then put it all together. Uh, Popkov, uh, after this, uh, had his own affair. He boasted of an affair with a woman uh, called Alina I- uh, Porakina, who verified uh, their relationship with the police, telling them he also never harmed her. And yes, that is the third Alina in the story. And I, I looked over that numerous times. I was like, what the fuck? His wife, <laughs> uh, the woman he admitted to having an affair with, and his sister, all Alina. Apparently that name was super popular in Siberia in the 60s. Uh, or, or maybe that name is just proof of the, like, further proof of the bleakness of, of so much of Russian life. We name many girl Elena in Russia because it's easy. It's easy to name and, uh, and because they girls. Maybe they live, maybe they don't. Why put work into name when life cheap? Uh, most girl named uh, Lina, uh, most dog named uh, who give fuck. I personally uh, dated uh, seven Alinas and uh, have owned four who give fucks. Uh, anyway. Clearly, there were some troubles in the Popkov home. They did stay marry, uh, married, you know, based on, again, pictures and kind of later interviews. They seem to have worked it out, at least on the surface. Clearly, uh, based on what Mikhail would go out and uh, and do, he he did not deal with it psychologically. I mean, I guess maybe he would have done that uh, anyways. I don't know. Maybe not. You never know what just sets somebody off, what triggers somebody. Uh, there is evidence that Mikhail was also super possessive and jealous in the relationship, uh, and one of those guys who, who buys into the whole, quote, virgin whore complex, this came up in an interview, uh, the whole thing about women, you know, are, are either good girls who uh, have never fucked anyone, uh, you know, they have sex with you, but only that's the only person they've had sex with, uh, never even thought about another man, you know, or they are a filthy slut whore who just lusts for any and all dick constantly. Uh, Lucifina, not a fan of this complex. Not, not a fan of Popkov. 
the werewolf. Uh, get over yourself, Mikhail. You're you're a five tops. Of course, your wife thought about other dick. She's she's at least a seven or eight. And in addition to you not being physically attractive, you have the personality and emotional complexity of a stale p- piece of fucking Russian bread. And you're insecure. That's not attractive. A little bit of jealousy can be kind of hot. A lot of it is oppressive. Uh, I was jealous when I was younger, and, and and it was never about who I dated. If you're with somebody who's jealous, it's never about you. It's about them. Uh, it was always about me and my own insecurities, right? I mean, you know, you, you want to try a few dicks, ladies? Fucking try them. Carry some condoms. See which fit you like best. You don't want to be stuck with the wrong dick, you know, and there's so many out there. And if your wife marries you despite you having a wonky dick, don't be insecure about it. Be thankful. Be happy that you found someone who loves you so much they will stay with you despite you having a micropeen. You should uh, email Reverend Dr. Joe about it. He's happy. His, his, he knows his wife loves him. <laughs> anyway, uh, friends of Mikhail said that uh, almost from the from the day of their wedding in 1986, uh, of his wedding, he spoke of wanting to put his wife under surveillance. And he would fly off the handle at the very mention of any promiscuous women. So the dude clearly had some women issues and, and his wife's affair clearly triggered his insecurities around these women issues. Um, and again, uh, I guess, you know, we, 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 we knew he had women issues. You don't brutally kill roughly 80 women. If you don't, uh, Popkoff seemed to have then started taking out his anger after the affair, uh, on other women, women he found promiscuous. He started taking out his anger in 1992 with his first known victim. His first known killing occurred in 1992 when he was 28 years old while he still worked at a firefighter. Uh, most serial killers start showing antisocial behavior way before this. Uh, some indicators in early childhood, Popkov seems to have not shown that based on, uh, you know, interviews that have come out. Nothing. There's been, there was no red flags. You know, and his mom has never brought anything up. At least we don't know about anything yet. Uh, Popkov himself claims he never, you know, had any weird thoughts, didn't have any weird childhood incidents, never intended to become a serial killer, never fantasized about it. Again, according to him, he says, quote, it just happened. Uh, I just felt I wanted to kill a woman I was giving a lift to in my car. Uh, again, uh, emotionally dead. I no plan to kill. I bored one day at work. I still do a do, uh, good job. I still have positive feedback. Uh, I decide to kill woman before take bus home and eat more old soup. The name of this first woman, his, his first victim, doesn't seem to have been released yet. Uh, he doesn't name her in interviews. If I had to guess, I'd probably go with Elena. Uh, Elena. Uh, while we don't know the name of each and every victim, we do know a little bit about how the werewolf killed uh, from his prison interviews. Uh, Popkov would make sure his targets were women who were alone and often those uh, who were drunk. Uh, he would use his uniform to either make them feel safe, which he did when he was uh, you know, still a firefighter, or when he started working again for the police shortly after the 1992 attack. Uh, he would also just make them feel like he could arrest them. You know, he's thinking about arresting them, but uh, might let them off uh, easy. He'd put on his police, police uniform, park his car outside, discos, restaurants. He'd wait for some poor uh, inebriated woman to come wobbling outside and then he would uh, lure her into his car with the promise of a ride home. You know, just a piece of shit using his badge to brutalize instead of to protect. Uh, he would sometimes tell his victims, I could arrest you, but I'm feeling charitable. Get in and I'll take you home. And, uh, you know, and doing this was way easier to pull off in Russia in the 90s than in America because you, you didn't have to have a good reason to arrest anyone at that time, right? The police in Russia in the 90s were corrupt as shit. They may very well still be pretty corrupt now, but more corrupt than... Uh, if you told some lady that, that you know that you're thinking about arresting her, she was going to take you serious, right? She knew that she could be arrested for virtually anything. There didn't have to be. She didn't actually have to do something to be arrested. As far as what he would use to kill, the choice was just based on whatever was handy, whatever would just get the job done and would inflict a lot of pain. 
He, uh, he would say, the choice of weapons for killing was always casual. I never prepared beforehand to commit murder. I would use any object that was in car. Knife, axe, bat. Then according to investigators, he would rape the victim post-mortem. Uh, and while Popkov has admitted to a lot of the murders, obviously he's a convicted, there's a lot of confessions, uh, I do find it interesting that he hasn't confessed to the rapes. Uh, he tries to maintain that the sex itself was always consensual. He would say in a 2017 interview, my genetic material was found on the clothes of victims, so I was automatically accused of rape. But I will say 100%, none of the victims were raped. If I had sexual intercourse with anybody, it was voluntarily. So weird, like, he didn't He didn't try to denounce that, yes, I fucking brutally murdered these women. He's like, he was never like, no, nah, I didn't do that. He was just like, nah, but the sex part. That was, they wanted me. Oh, no, no, they fucking, they wanted it. Uh, I don't think you can have voluntary sex with the, with the body of a woman you just killed. Uh, he was for sure a rapist. There are numerous articles citing investigators stating that he, he raped many of the women savagely while they were still alive with various blunt objects. Um, yeah, his, his MO was just kind of chaotic, you know, just grab whatever's handy, uh, and then just brutally rape and kill and then just leave him in the woods or nearer, you dump him down the side of the road or whatever. Early on in his killing spree, Popkov nicknamed himself the cleaner, stating that it had become his mission to rid the Russian streets of quote, loose women. I had the double life in one life. I was ordinary person in my other life. I committed murders, which I carefully concealed from everyone. Realizing this was a criminal offense. I love how he has to say that. Listen, I sharp guy. I I like to kill people, but I also realize that the killing, if you do not know, is quite illegal. That is why I not openly be killer. That's that is why I hide. In the perfect world, I go to mall with family. Kill cashier. Kill uh, lady in parking lot. Uh, kill lady at the uh, hot dog stand. And, uh, you know, laugh with family. But society crazy. People have rules and things. Um, a classic rationalization with this whole cleaner thing, by the way, too. So many murderers do this. Convince themselves uh, that what they're doing is, is something noble. right? They're not, they're not raping and taking the lives of innocent women to satisfy their own extremely dark sexual desires. They're just doing a little cleaning. Right? Don't you get it? Just a little spring cleaning. Taking out some trash, washing the car, getting rid of some old underwear with holes in it, uh, throwing out some old expired cans of soup in the back of the cupboard, raping and killing some women with a uh, bat, uh, dropping off some pants that don't fit anymore at the thrift store. Yeah, fucking a little cleaning. Uh, this is how he described his victims in another interview. He said, the victims were those who, unaccompanied by men at night, without a certain purpose, were on the streets, behaving carelessly, who were not afraid to enter into conversation with me, get in my car, and then go for a drive in search of adventures for sake of entertainment, ready to drink alcohol and have sexual intercourse with me. Not all women became victims, but those of a certain negative behavior. I had desire to teach and punish. Oh, now I get it. He's a teacher. He's a, he's a teacher. He's a tough teacher. He's a tough teacher. Let's be clear. Uh, but he's a teacher. You, you either pass his test, you pass his class, you know, because you're a good, virtuous woman or you, or you get the hammer or you get the knife. Uh, unreal what some people are just capable of rationalizing. Uh, always blows me away. I try to teach. <laughs> a good education, hard to come by in Siberia. Uh, some girls, some women, not good students. Uh, they not uh, learn how to be lady. So I take it on self to work a sort of, um, how do you say, uh, 
freelance tutor, uh, like, like popular American film, uh, My Fair Lady. Think about uh, Professor Higgins take it on self to teach Eliza Doolittle to be proper lady. <laughs> I'm not much different. I say stuff like, you like to drink vodka and car with me behind the bar? And if women say, yes, uh, maybe for a minute, uh, then I rape and kill with bat. That's not how lady handles self. Never get in car with man. You bring this on self. I, I offer a lesson. You want to rest? Maybe I'll not take to jail. Drive home. And they say, okay, I take ride home. Then I stab and punt and rape and kill. A lady never get in car with man. You lose woman. You do this to self. But maybe sometime I say, come with me. We go drinking wood together. And she say, I hear with husband. And I say, leave husband or I take to jail. And she turned and run for life. Well, then I yell at woman, clever girl. You true lady. You pass test. <laughs> then maybe, maybe I don't kill. Good student. Must, must get reward to keep learning. Uh, the more Popkov killed and didn't get caught, the more brazen he became with his killings. After a few years, he started picking up women while actually on shift. Just, you know, at work, uh, showing his face in shops together with the future victims, using confiscated weapons taken from actual crime scenes for the murders, and then just returning those uh, weapons to the crime scenes hours later. Fucking <laughs> crazy. Uh, sounds like those investigators were just uh, really doing a bang-up job. You know, someone's able just to slip a weapon in and out of a crime scene and use it for another fucking murder. Oh, my God, what is happening in this country? A year or so into his killing spree, uh, rumors of a serial killer began to circulate through Angarsk. But just like we learned with the Chikatilo and chessboard killer uh, Russian sucks, there were just a lot of Russian police who did not give a fuck about disappearing Russian women, like did not fucking care. Uh, some of them maybe didn't want to involve federal investigators. Maybe they were just uh, some of them being lazy, not caring. But they just they refused to want to uh, unify all these mounting murders into a single case for the first couple of years. They just wrote them off as mob killings. Just mob killings. It's a territorial war. They've been raging the city. You know how mobsters like to rape and throw women's bodies in the woods. Typical mob behavior. Uh, there, there have been witnesses and survivors, and then still the evidence was ignored. We'll talk about that in a bit. It's fucking insane what they ignored. Um, and I'm not trying to pick on Russia. I mean, I am picking on Russia, but I mean, <laughs> I guess this type of thing has happened in America too, generally just not as recently. You know, there, there was that whole uh, shitty investigative work that went on in Houston in the early 70s, like we learned about during the Dean Coral Candyman suck. Excuse me. Uh, in 1998, uh, just like many of the killers we've studied on Time Suck, the werewolf almost got caught. He should have been caught. If, the, if like fucking one police officer over there and Angars would have just not been terrible. I feel like they could have caught him. He attacked a woman later referred to in the press as Svetlana M. Finally, a woman not named Alina. Uh, Svetlana survived a ruthless attack by this motherfucker and recently spoke about her ordeal, about how uh, the werewolf wrecked her life. She says she was a 17-year-old virgin back in 1998 when she was returning home in the cold from a friend's house in Angarsk. A police car stopped and the driver offered her a lift. She said, I thought it was safe to go with a policeman. Uh, I was so cold from head to toe, so I accepted. She remembers that he drove past her house, and then she asked him, where are we going? The next thing she recalled was him repeatedly banging my head against a tree. She said it seemed to go on for an eternity. She added, I was shaking. He wanted to rape me. He was mute. He didn't respond to anything. He said nothing. I crawled out from under him and ran to his car. I was hoping to find car keys, but, I, but failed. He caught me, and I tripped down some steps. Uh, she was uh, wounded further and then uh, left for dead. She was found by some passersby who then refused to help her. 
fucking right. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead a little bit. She, she didn't pass out. She was wounded, right? She, she ran away from the car. Passersby see her, and then they <laughs> refuse to help her. Fucking Russia. She she then uh, sees Popkov's car approaching. He's got back in the car. He's chasing her down. Uh, he approaches her through some bushes uh, by the side of the main road. He gets out of the car, chases her down, attacks her again, leaves her for dead. Uh, and then she says, the next thing I knew, I woke up in a morgue. Woke up, sat down, spotted a label on the toe of a corpse next to me. So they didn't like fucking, I guess, check her pulse or anything. There's like, hey, what's if we find the girl in the woods? She looked, she looked dead. Listen, I not get paid a lot to be coroner. I look at her, I think, eh, probably dead. So I put in body bag and uh, turned out that this is funny part. She's not dead. So, you know, so that part's good. Uh, yeah, so then she says she wakes up in a hospital later. She's listed as uh, um, being 25 uh, by the people at the hospital. But her mom finds her and rescues her. It's like, no, she's 17. Um, half her hair was torn out. This is how, this guy was brutal. Like why he called him the werewolf is just fucking savage attacks. He tore out, quote, half her hair during the attack, left her paralyzed for a while down one side of her body. Um, when she was discharged a few months later, uh, her hair that grew back in and turned gray. 20 years later, uh, yeah, in, in 2018, this this now 37-year-old woman has said, his attack aged me by seven years. My brain was damaged. If not for him, I would have had a normal life, had a family, and given birth to great kids. This poor woman. Not one of his 78 known murder victims, but still someone severely brutalized by the werewolf. And then here's, uh, and then, yeah, so she almost, if people would have listened to her, he would have been caught. This, uh, this uh, one of the police investigators uh, later said she was unconscious because of severe head injuries. And this is not an investigator who investigated at the time. This is somebody who investigated uh, this this whole uh, rash of serial killings later. And then uh, this guy, Nikolai Kitiev, uh, this investigator says, police did not start a criminal investigation for a long time, despite numerous complaints from the girl's mother. Finally, Svetlana would be questioned and she would tell uh, investigators in great detail about this rapist policeman and about his car. So she's able to identify everything. Uh, the police don't believe her story. Uh, don't believe her when she identifies Popkov, a picture of him. She's like, fucking this guy. This guy did this to me for sure. Uh, police go and question uh, Popkov and he laughs it off. They question his wife, Alina, who gives him an alibi. Uh, so, she, you know, she had to know something was going on. Gives him out, and then they just decide not to take it further. And they could have done a DNA test. They could have, they had stuff from the hospital, from her. They had, you know, like, like well, a semen or whatever, like, you know, like from the crime, from the rape. They, they could have tested for DNA. They just don't. Uh, investigator Kyatev later, later said, uh, Svetlana clearly confirmed it was him, but the police trusted Mikhail's wife. She composed an alibi, alibi for him, and the criminal investigation was over and sent to the archives. <laughs> and then he would just continue to murder for, you know, uh, at least a couple more years, if not for roughly another decade. I mean, just fucking think about this. This this young girl, this teen is found naked in the woods. She's been badly beaten. She's been clearly raped. And the police initially don't investigate at all. Like uh, her mom has to harass them into even doing any investigation. Uh, I went into the suck, you know, expecting not to hear a lot of good things about Siberia. And I got to say, not not disappointed. Uh, and then when they do investigate, they don't even do a simple DNA test to see if the guy she's saying, fucking that guy, that guy did it. Uh, you know what? I, I got so upset about that. I canceled my flight to Angarsk. I was going to take the fam and now I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to the fucking clock museum. By 1998, it's obvious to Siberian th uh, th authorities that they do have a serial killer on their hands. 
Russian investigators do uh, end up constructing a, a bit of a psychological profile of who the suspect could be. They surmise, <laughs> this is so weird to me. They surmise that he may be either a metal worker, a railroad worker, a railroad worker, a heating station engineer, or a bus driver. Uh, they're also convinced that he may have been a mortuary worker because some of the bodies have been found near cemeteries. It doesn't say it doesn't say exactly how they came up with these job possibilities. Uh, maybe just based on like, I mean, the bus thing. I guess you know, like you're driving around town, but like heating station engineer. I guess maybe you have to travel to different states. I don't, fuck, it's so weird. How did they arrive at those two possibilities? They seem very different. Heating station engineer or bus driver. Based on the evidence, we find that many crime scene. Uh, we feel strongly that killer has strong working knowledge of heating station. This this guy, we feel good. This guy no heat. He live for heat. He like it hot. He like it hot, hot, hot. Uh, we know he uh, he like boilers, steamers. He know how systems work. Uh, he know how heating, ventilating, air conditioning work. He, he this guy for sure understand automation systems. He understand diesel engine, turbine. Uh, generator, piping, compressed gas. He knows stuff like back of hand. He like electricity. That's what we know. He like power. Or we thinking also maybe he not like heat. Maybe he drive bus. Maybe he bus driver. What the fuck are you guys doing over there? Despite authorities putting more energy into capturing him, uh, which probably wasn't a lot of energy, he he he, uh, he doesn't bother to even <laughs> try this. This said later in article in interviews. Said he didn't even try to evade authorities. He made no attempts to try to hide what he was doing because he knew he didn't need to. Uh, Russian investigators were um, especially disorganized after the recent fall of the Soviet Union in December of 1991. Uh, The werewolf was able to elude and evade detection simply by uh, being a little more organized than the people investigating him. Uh, Doesn't take much. He he knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He knows they're just pretty fucking weak in general. Uh, you know, he, he, he knew not to say something that might get him caught. You know, he knew not, not to like stand up in the middle of a police meeting and be like, Hey guys, I did it for sure. Look, look at blood on my hand. Look at blood on hand. Just go ahead. Test blood. It's, it's from woman for sure. I kill all the women. I like it. Uh, he knew not to do that because that might arouse suspicion. Uh, Russian psychiatrist, Alexander Grishin also explained why it was hard to catch Popkov. He said there are two groups of maniacs. <laughs> I think this is kind of weird too. Like, I don't, this is very different than American psychology. You wouldn't hear a forensic psychologist in the state say that. Uh, hey, everybody, we need to talk about who this guy might be. Uh, after studying psychology for many, many years, we know that there's two kinds of maniacs, right? There's the uh, there's the guy with the straight jacket and his fucking hair coming straight out of his head, and he's and he's bug eyed, and he's like ah, ah, and he's like fucking running down the street with his dick flopping around. That guy, we're like, yep, all right, keep your keep your eye on him. He's a maniac for sure. He's a, he's a he's a what we call an obvious maniac. But there's another guy that combs down his crazy hair in the morning and makes an attempt to have his eyes look not as bugged out. And he won't wear a straight jacket. And he will just he'll quietly be like, "I'm a maniac." Like he keeps it quiet. And those are the, that's the difference. That's the two. Um, no, this guy says there are two groups of maniacs, organized and non-organized. Non-organized maniacs are easy to catch. Their crimes are quickly solved. They're people with psychiatric pathologies who live in their own world. They're, they're hiding from people, often untidy. <laughs> I love that too. Uh, how, how do you recognize an un- unorganized maniac? They, are, they often are untidy. If you see guy on the uh, street where, with shirt not tucked in and uh, shit on pants... 
you can you can look and say he unorganized maniac. If he have uh, vanilla folders in the uh, dresser that are not the alphabetical order, we know ah, he unorganized maniac. And then he says, organized maniacs, Popkov is a good example, are people with high mental abilities, socially adapted, often with families. They find convenient jobs with secure, which secures them and gives time for crimes. It's a hard job to catch such a maniac, he says. It's a, it's a hard job to spot such a person. Even police enrollment tests are, are not good enough. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, I'm sure they're not. Your, your uh, rigorous police tests. Uh, do you like uh, wear straight jacket and run down the street with dick flopping out? No? Ah, you sound like a good police officer, Kennedy. So the werewolf keeps killing. Uh, before we look into some of his additional murders, let's take a break from this darkness and head towards the light of our next and final sponsor. Time Suck is brought to you today by The Great Courses Plus. I'm always trying to become a little smarter version of myself. Uh, you wouldn't know it by my speech patterns, but I am trying. That's why I love watching and listening to The Great Courses Plus. There is so much information available on this streaming service from some of the best college professors across so many areas of interest like ancient Mesopotamia, astrophysics, forensic history, to name just a few. Uh, if you start with just one course, start with my favorite, Your Deceptive Mind, A Scientific Guide to Critical Thinking Skills. Uh, let Dr. Stephen Novella teach you how to think so effectively that your life is almost guaranteed to improve for the better. Uh, learn how to minimize being tricked by your own mind. Uh, how to stop seeing what isn't in fact actually there. How to properly structure a logical argument. So much more. I feel like if the uh, police in Russia in the 90s would have, have it would have taken these courses, they would have uh, caught him uh, much more quickly. Uh, I've learned so much from the Great Courses Plus. Lately, I've been enjoying the Black Death, the world's most devastating plague. Take an in-depth look into how the plague hit England, France, Scandinavia, and more in one of uh, 24 carefully crafted half-hour lectures. I know you're going to love The Great Courses Plus, so I've worked out a special limited time offer for my listeners. Keeps getting better. Right now, you can get a free trial, plus lock into their lowest price of 10 bucks a month. When you sign up for a three-month plan, that is 50% off the regular price. Available for a limited time at my special URL. Get your free trial, plus 50% off your monthly plan now at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash timesuck. That is thegreatcoursesplus.com slash timesuck. Link to that deal in the episode description sponsor button that takes you straight to the deal in the TimeSuck app uh, and on the TimeSuck website. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming, which happens to be uh, Siberian buffoonery and horror. On October 29th, 1998, the werewolf kills again. 20-year-old Tatiana, also known as Tanya Meritonova, 20, whose body was found with Yulia Kuprakova near a road in a suburb of Angorsk. Uh, a visitor from the Siberian Times spoke to the sister of Tatiana, Victoria Chaknieva, in 2013. She said, it happened 15 year ag years ago. Sorry, I was trying not to laugh just the way that these quotes are written. It happened 15 years ago is how it's actually written. But the, but the pain does not go away. It was me who presented Tanya a ticket to go to a concert. She was killed after attending it. Uh, it sucks. Uh, Tatiana's sister was married with a small child. Her husband, Igor who was then 24, was against her going to the concert, but she went anyways with a girlfriend, Yulia, uh, who was 19. Then on the morning of October 29th, Igor calls Victoria saying Tanya, Tatiana had not come back home. Victoria says, uh, I got truly scared. It was the first time she had never done this before. There were no mobile phones at that time. You could only call Yulia's parents. Uh, we could only call Yulia's parents thinking Tanya must have stayed overnight but there for some reason, but Yulia's parents said she had not come home either. They went to the police. 
were told they should wait three days before the young woman could be listed as missing. Uh, that night, a shepherd a shepherd uh, found their naked bodies near Megat, a small village close to Angarsk. She said, it was 1 a.m. when Tanya's husband, Igor, and I came to the police. We did not tell our mother yet. Igor was absolutely devastated and only repeated, she was killed. She was killed. I was shocked too, but I simply could not believe it and replied, what are you talking about? Later, we were told that their bodies were found next to each other. Both girls were raped, cut, and chopped. Fuck, man. The experts told us that at first they were killed, then raped. Uh, my elder brother, Oleg, went to the morgue to identify Tanya. He had flown from Moscow immediately. He felt sick when he saw the body. She was so mutilated. He was almost green when he came out of there. He could not say a word. I did not dare to go in and look. They later discovered Tanya and Yulia had gone for a quick drink with friends. They were offered a lift by a police officer. Victoria said, only the fact that this bastard was, a police, was in a police uniform explains why Tanya got into his car. Many people attended Tanya's funeral. It felt as if the whole town was there. Our poor mother lost her consciousness several times. She needed a lot of medicine to cope. Whew. And, and then after Popkov's arrest in 2012, Victoria realizes she vaguely knew this guy. They had both been involved in the same uh, biathlon years later or years earlier. She said, uh, I was struck with horror when I saw the picture of this maniac in the paper and online. My sister's killer was looking into my eyes. I immediately felt as, I, as if I'd met him. Looking at him, I could hardly breathe. Some minutes later, I looked at him another time and thought, oh my God, I know him. I was so shocked. I even took a knife and cut his face in the newspaper. I needed to let this horror out of me. I remembered him as a tall, slim man. He was always alone with a slippery and shifty glance. I think such people just must not live. This beast took the life of my sister who had so many happy years in front of her. I cried a lot that day, but it is time to be quiet and just wait. And this, you know, interview took place during one of his trials. He will be punished by law and criminals in jail will punish him too. Yeah, that'll probably happen. Uh, I am sure he will pay for all the murders one day. Uh, yeah, and this fucker has now been convicted of, you know, 78 crimes like this. At least 78 families have gone through this kind of pain because of this one piece of shit. Think about that. Sometimes these sucks. Just the scope of their damage expands so far beyond their uh, their actual, you know, uh, murder victims. Such a bummer this guy can't be uh, tortured and killed. In July of 1999, another victim uh, would live through one of the werewolf's attacks. Evgenia uh, Petrovza was 18 in July of 1999 when she met Popkov, who was then 35. She said, my boyfriend had invited me to a restaurant and we left about midnight. He wanted me to go to his place, but I strongly refused and asked him to take me home. Then he got angry and shouted that I could go home on my own. Ah, dude, not a gentleman move. Uh, so she started walking. Just like with uh, Svetlana, a police officer offered her a lift. He was plain clothed, but showed Evgenia uh, his officer's ID. She got in his car. He drove towards her home. She said, my place was very close, some three minutes drive away, and we were quickly there. Instead of stopping, he accelerated the car and drove away. I began to scream. I was so lost, I did not know what to do. I could not stop screaming, and he hit me on the head, and I lost consciousness. All the rest I remember is bits and pieces, but I can recall that he drove me to the forest. He got out of the car and tried to drag me out too, having hit me strongly on the head one more time. I vividly remember his face looking like a beast, and I got completely scared. When Popkov was uh, told by state investigators after getting caught years later that these uh, that this woman and Svetlana had both survived these attacks, 
He's such a piece of shit. He was upset. He was annoyed. He couldn't believe that any of his victims, uh, many of whom he'd attacked with axes, hammers, knives, screwdrivers, spades, and more, had survived. A prosecutor said after his first life sentence was handed down in 2012, he clearly loved killing. Some victims had 145 or even 170 knife wounds. This prosecutor said that Popkov stated that he felt satisfied when he felt their pain as they were stabbed. Motherfucker, man. Echoes a Chikatilo here. Uh, back to Evgenia surviving her attack. I'm butchering her name. Her name makes no sense to me on any level. Uh, she said, what happened was that uh, people picking mushrooms found me in the forest the next day. This is what how my mother. Uh, this is what my mother told me. My mother explained I was completely naked when I was found. This bastard undressed and raped me, and then thought he had strangled me to death. I have no idea how I lived. Uh, there is still a scar on my neck after the strangling, but thank God it's almost invisible for other people. Uh, luckily, unlike Svetlana, uh, she was able to gradually rebuild her life. She says I have a good family now. I am married with two kids. I have a son and a daughter. Uh, I had never told my husband what I had to go through, but I must say I've been living under a huge pressure inside. The story just did not go away. I felt a great relief when I first told my story to the police and to my husband. Now I feel better each time I tell my story. I went to court because it helped me get rid of my ordeal. I had lived with it for many years. Now I feel so much better. Still, I have to say that there is such a huge pain in my heart. I can't imagine I will be completely cured of it one day. He should be executed, shot dead. A lot of victim uh, statements about that for various people, like relatives of victim stuff. Like everyone's like, fuck this guy. No life in uh, prison. Kill him. Uh, in August of 1999, Popka would offer a young medical student a ride. Uh, she would not escape. Uh, she would be another young woman with a bright future. He would snuff out. Uh, he offered her a free, uh, a free, you know, lady lesson. She failed. So he took her to the woods. And he, this one, he chopped her fucking head off. Uh, and then stabbed her body another six times before stuffing her down a garbage chute. So much rage, this dude. Later that month, he approached 20-year-old Maria Moltkova. Maria was leaving work from a water pumping station when Popkov offered her a ride. Uh, she failed his test as well. He drove around to the Siberian woods, killed her, and then raped her corpse. Uh, in June of 2000, he took two more victims, 35-year-old Marina Liskina, 37-year-old Lilia Pashkova-Skaya. Uh, Marina and Lilia worked at the same shop. They left to see Marina's sister after work. They worked late, started to walk home around midnight. They were going to call and get a taxi, but then changed their minds. It was warm, so they decided to walk. And then Popkov rolled up in his police cruiser, offered the women a ride home. And then he brutalized both women in the woods and left to go home. Then he realized he had dropped his badge and left at the crime scene. Drove back, found out when he got there that one of these women was still alive. And he later said, I found the token badge right away, but saw that one of the women was still breathing. I was shocked by the fact that she was still alive. I finished her with a shovel. This dude's fucking brutal. Uh, these two women were buried in closed coffins. Their bodies had been so terribly mutilated that the Russian tradition of having an open uh, casket uh, funeral had to be disregarded. Marina had a 14-year-old daughter. Lily had two kids, 12-year-old daughter, three-year-old son. They just, they just fucking ruined two families one night. Uh, shortly after these murders, uh, Popkov tar uh, targeted his own daughter's uh, music teacher, uh, he said her, cor her, her corpse was found in the forest along with the body of another woman. My daughter had asked me to give her money because the school was collecting to organize funerals. I gave it to her. Again, the way he speaks, so fucking cold. She wants money for funeral, so I give her money. But then I think, I don't care about the funeral. Why I give money? So I kill, I take money back. Uh, maybe sneak and raping. Then I get break. 
Uh, I take, uh, you know, I have, I know how to take uh, Ekaterina to music lessons. It really worked out well for me. Uh, Popkov then quit working as a police officer again, finds better paying work in the security business, the private security business, and he gets work as a guard for the Angarsk Oil and Chemical Company, most Russian company name ever. I work for Angarsk Oil and Chemical Company. We make chemical and oil in Angarsk. <laughs> then in 2000, uh, after he became a security guard, uh, some of the articles on Popka say the murder stopped. Uh, they did not. Uh, adding to the kind of online research confusion, if you look into this yourself, uh, there's a lot of confusion with his articles because uh, some of the articles get written after his initial arrest where he was charged with 22 murders. Those murders stopped in the year 2000, but then he would be charged with nearly 60 additional murders and those murders continued up until 2010. And he may have kept killing for another two years after that. Hard to say. He, start, he started to travel for work sometime before 2010, and he ended up traveling far away from Angars, traveled all over Siberia, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. So there's a chance he, he killed in other places. Uh, if he did stop killing before he was caught in 2012, like he claims, the reason he stopped is so very strange. He claims that he picked up syphilis from one of his victims sometime around 2000, and then he was ashamed to go to the doctor and then he didn't get it treated. And he claims uh, that because he didn't get it treated, he became impotent. What the fuck? So he is another stabby Russian serial killer with a limp shamecock now. Except whereas uh, Chikatilo's flaccid ween angered him into murdering, Popkov's uh, flaccid ween seems to have uh, made him not kill. His murderous urges seem to have left with his hate boners, right? This what is big deal? We both have soft shamecock, but only Chikatilo makes soft men hard. With his angry floppy wing. Uh, Popkov, uh, probably not even Russell. He he not even know how to drag strength from shame. Uh, for the next dozen years, murdering more women or not, the werewolf lived as a free man. Remained married, kept raising his daughter, uh, Ekaterina, who uh, by 2012 was a 24-year-old teacher still living in Angarsk, still close with her father. And then finally, this piece of shit gets caught. On June 23rd, 2012, Popkov would finally be arrested in Vladivostok, a city on the Pacific coast of Siberia, roughly 4,000 kilometers, almost 2,500 miles away from Angarsk. Why was he there? Because he knew he was about to get caught and he was trying to escape. The unsolved murders in and around Angarsk from over a decade previous uh, had you know, been re-examined. Russian police, now a little better than they were in the 90s. As part of this new investigation... 3,500 police officers and former officers from uh, around Angarsk had been forced to give DNA samples. Uh, then, the, then a breakthrough, this, uh, like the breakthrough that led to this in the case came when detectives noticed tire tracks from the type of car that officers were driving in the 90s near several of the victims' uh, you know, bodies. And they, and they found this out looking at photographs of the various crime scenes. Just prior to Popkov's arrest, Russian police had narrowed down their suspect list to 600 officers. Popkov had came in, was forced to supply a saliva sample. And that's when he realized he was going to be caught and he, he attempted to flee to China. And that's why he was in a Vladivostok buying that car. And then, of course, Popkov's sample is a match. It, it matched some semen he left behind on some of his victims. Uh, after getting arrested, Popkov told authorities, I could not anticipate examination of DNA. I was born in another century. Now there are such modern technologies, methods, but not earlier. If we have not got to that level of genetic examination, then I would not be sitting in front of you. Uh, fucked up. He's right, man. 
uh, just like with the Golden State Killer, had it not been for the forensic science advances concerning DNA matching, uh, he would still be free. You know, getting ready to hang out with his first grandkid. Uh, his daughter, Ekaterina, is now pregnant. Uh, after his arrest, former officers he worked with were shocked. Basically, everyone was shocked. When I read about him in the press, I literally choked, said Officer Dmitry Valuev, because I used to work with him and I thought I knew him. He was an absolutely normal man. He liked biathlon. Once on duty, he shot a rapist during an arrest. There was an investigation and he was not punished. The chiefs considered he had taken fair action. Another officer, Sergei Golovkin, said, uh, Golovkin said, I used to work with closely with him for five years. He knew lots of jokes and stories and could be the soul of the party. Uh, his daughter, Ekaterina, another victim, also shocked him after his arrest when interviewed. She said, I do not believe any of this. I always felt myself as a daddy's girl for 25 years. We were together hand in hand. We walked, rode bikes, went to shops. He met me from school. We both collect model cars, so we have the same hobby. Uh, that's a weird detail. It's funny to me what uh, what people will point to when they're trying to convince themselves of something that they know probably deep down is not true. You know, just he, he could not have done it. He collects model cars. He likes ride bikes. Who like ride bikes and collect model cars and uh, with author and stab and rape? It's not even possible. Uh, poor Ekaterina continued to try and wish her new reality away, saying, uh, I wanted to be, a, this is another interview, I wanted to be a criminologist, so I read a book with tips of how investigators catch serial killers, and there were also basic classifications about murderers. Daddy does not fit any of these classifications. He doesn't look like some maniac. They're really hung up about, like, maniacs uh, in, in Siberia. He does, listen, he could, look at him. How could he do? How could he do? His hair is not standing straight up. His eyes not bugging up. There's not slobber on face. He not in straight jacket. His penis not flopping about as he run down middle of the street screaming. He can't do it. Uh, his wife, Helena, she stood by him all the way through his initial murder convictions and life sentence. This is crazy. I mean, she said, we met on the Monday and Tuesday before sentencing and discussed his situation. He already knew that it would be a life sentence. He denied everything. Even when our daughter, uh, Katya, uh, even when Katya asked him, uh, he said, Katya, you understand that all these allegations are fairy tales. It is the system. I have worked within it. I know the system well. We've been married for 28 years. And then she said, if I suspected something wrong, of course, I would divorce him. I, but I support him. I believe him. If he were to be released right now, I would not say a word and we would continue to live together. I love him. I support him. He did not cause me any harm for all these years. I felt safe with him. Didn't cause any harm. Did he not also give you syphilis? Uh, his mother still thinks he's innocent. She says, uh, I cannot believe he walked alone to the forest in a police uniform. Where was the blood? His clothes should have been covered in blood. Or if he had tried to wash the blood away, the clothes would have been wet. His wife would have definitely noticed all of that. He loves his family, cherishes his daughter, and he dreamed about grandchildren. He would not have done this. He will remain my son until my death. He studied well. And from the very beginning, he was an excellent pupil. He loved to cook pancakes or something like that. And he was very neat like me. <laughs> I know this is sad, but I, I do love the weird pancake detail. He could not have killed women. He make pancakes. He may, maybe. He li listen, he make, I know for sure, I know for a fact, he make pancakes or if not pancakes, something pancake-like. Maybe waffle, maybe crepe. He for sure make something in dough area of breakfast at least at least toast <laughs> he make at least toast who make at least toast and kill women in the forest <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
At first, Popkov confessed to uh, only three murders. Uh, the DNA evidence tied him to. Uh, but then as police continued to investigate, the number rose to the 22 for which he would be convicted and sentenced in January of 2015. Uh, he was initially suspected before his conviction on 22 counts of killing 29 women. Uh, 25 of uh, those women are aged 19 to 28. Uh, four were between the ages of 35 and 40. All the victims lived in Angarsk. Uh, after getting a conviction on 22 of the 29, uh, as this conviction is you know, happening, uh, the trial is winding up, Numerous additional interrogations uh, are uh, bringing about more unsolved murders, and Russian authorities realize that the true body count's much higher than the 29 murders they'd originally suspected him of. Later in 2015, Popkov would be charged with an additional 47 murders with another 12 murders still pending. Of those 59 additional murders, there would be enough evidence to tie him to 56 killings. He, he would confess to 59. Those victims ranged in age from 17 to 38. And then on December 10th, 2018, after another trial near Angarsk, uh, he was convicted of 56 further murders. Uh, the, the three other alleged killings, a woman who disappeared, just couldn't be confirmed. Also convicted of 11 rapes. He was given a second life sentence and his police pension was taken away so his wife could no longer receive that money. Uh, following his second conviction of numerous murders, state prosecutor Alexander Shikniv said in December that Popkov will now appeal his sentence in the hope of retaining his police pension worth 24,000 rubles a month, roughly $361, on the grounds that he had cooperated with the investigators in a deal's a deal. They told him they would give him his pension still. The fucking balls on this guy. He admits to killing over 80 women, right? And he's demanding, like, listen, I may, listen, I make good on deal. I still, I need pension. I need, I still need pension for family. Uh, he's not going to get it. And, and, and that will take us out of today's time suck timeline. Good job, soldier. You made it back. Barely. All right. Well, despite, despite my frustration with the state of Russian journal, journalism, uh, I do think there was still enough info, right, for an interesting look into Mikhail's mind of madness. Uh, after his most recent sentencing, he supposedly bragged to other cellmates that he was uh, that he had more murder convictions than the butcher of Rostov, Andrei Chikatilo. Uh, Chikatilo convicted of 52 murders. Uh, yes, uh, Popkov's 78 convictions do make him the most prolific convicted murderer, uh, excuse me, in Russian history. And, and he may have killed more. You know, we don't know. Uh, some authorities believe that that he knows about other murders. Uh, he apparently had this, like, almost photographic kind of memory for his crime scenes. He could remember, like, you know, uh, victims from many years ago, remember their tattoos, remember exactly where they were, exactly how he killed them. Uh, they think he may have uh, other murder stored away in his brain that he's just going to kind of ration out uh, confessions, you know, later, you know, in case he needs him to like uh, avoid being sent to some kind of penal colony where he could be, you know, forced to, uh, to, uh, to do some hard labor. Right now he's serving the beginning of his sentence in solitary confinement, sentenced to serve the first 15 years of his life sentence in solitary confinement. And he's supposedly being held uh, currently in a notorious Russian prison known as the Black Dolphin. That prison got its strange unofficial name from a prisoner-constructed sculpture depicting a black dolphin set in front of the main entrance. It's a prison far, far, far from Angarsk, uh, north of Iran, Iran uh, just across the border from Kazakhstan. Uh, the prison was the focus of a National Geographic documentary uh, basically calling this prison the Russia's worst prison. It's reserved for Russia's worst criminals. Uh, it's one of Russia's oldest prisons. Uh, uh, opened in 1745. It's full of serial killers, cannibals, pedophiles, terrorists. 
Uh, home to 700 inmates, roughly 700 inmates, and 900 guards and prison staff. Since 2000, all of the inmates there are serving life sentences. Inmates are fed only soup and bread four times a day, and there is no TV or other modern luxuries, so it's good he's in a fucking shitty prison. The dolphin is so harsh that many prisoners want Russia to bring back capital punishment because that would be more humane. Uh, in addition to Popkov, convicted cannibal Vladimir uh, Nikolaev uh, is in there. This guy was arrested in 1996 when cops discovered a pan of roasted human meat cooking on his stove. Another dish roasted in the oven. Uh, the 700 inmates currently incarcerated there have killed a total of more than 4,000 people, over five murders per inmate. And supposedly only one prisoner has ever escaped from this place, Alexander Alexandrov. Some Russian special forces soldier arrested on terrorism charges related to a, a separatist conflict in eastern Ukraine. And that guy escaped in 2016. And as far as I can tell, still free. That's fucking nuts. Uh, can you imagine being locked inside that place, man, with the worst of the worst? Uh, National, in the National Geographic documentary, uh, uh, prison guard Denis uh, Avisuk said, The main crime committed by the convicts here is murder. But we also have maniacs. They love the word maniac. Maniacs, pedophiles, and terrorists. To, to call them people, it makes your tongue bend backwards just to say it. I have never felt any sympathy for them. Yeah, I bet not. Hard to feel uh, sympathy for somebody like Mikhail Popkov. Uh, before a few final thoughts I want to share, uh, let's find out what thoughts the idiots of the internet have about this dude. Idiots of the internet. Uh, the video I looked at today to find some juicy comments is titled Russian Serial Killer Found Guilty of 56 More Murders, posted by CBS on December 10th, 2018. Uh, the comments under the announcement of Popkov being sentenced are really uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, Elysia Site posts in all caps, I just don't get it. People who have murdered are still walking around and the people who get a speeding ticket or whatever minor thing, even not so, are in jail. What a backwards world. Uh, what? Is that a reference to some movie or something? Like, what the fuck is she talking about? This video is 40, 48 seconds long. And all it does is state what he did and how he was convicted and how he's in this uh, prison. He wasn't, he wasn't let go. It doesn't, he's in prison for life. And there's no talk of people going to jail for speeding tickets or anything minor. Like, did, did she even watch, did she watch one second of the video? Did my son post this? This seems like the absurd nonsense uh, my son Kyle would write. He's, we're always constantly asking him like, what? What are you talking? We have no idea what you're talking about. And then he just laughs and says more nonsense. Uh, random top compilation posts. What the fuck? Lots of Fs. This man should be decapitated. And then I am eight replies with what about Hillary and Obama? Fine. <laughs> Fucking trolls, man. They, they got to constantly keep trying to rile people up about political stuff. It's unbelievable how common this is on the web. Right? They got to try and fire somebody up about Hillary or Obama or Trump or whatever. I, I swear that the, the comment section under a video just no longer even feels like, like legit. doesn't feel like it's real unless regardless of the topic, someone is shitting on liberals or conservatives or blaming the Jews for something. Uh, you know, and specifically they have to say, quote unquote, the Jews. Uh, and B posts, BS News. Why are you reporting about a piece of shit serial killer in Russia? America doesn't care. Send it to Trump with love. It's probably a friend of his. Fuck, what? I'm amazed how many people just can't shut the fuck up about politics. This video has nothing to do, nothing to do with any politics at all. Uh, Pastor Vincente Silva uh, 
and post an interesting comment. He says, watching here in Brazil, exclamation points. Merry Christmas. What? What? He really here? Here, Father? In the comment section under a video about the worst Russian serial killer ever caught, that's where you want to try to sp- spread some Christmas cheer. I mean, I guess maybe it's dark and it needs, I don't fucking, hey guys, hope you're enjoying this video about rape and murder. Just wanted to pop in and say Merry Christmas. Uh, I am eight shows back up, now posting, and let me guess, he worked for the Clinton Foundation. Son of a bitch. Relentless. Uh, Honor AK asks, what is his religion? What? What does that have to do with anything? Uh, bad Catitude has some fun with such a random question, uh, giving a random answer, posting Mexican. Right? What is his religion? Mexican. That made me laugh. And then SBS13 gets even more random, posting Jedi. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Like, let's just all say whatever. Just leave comments like Skittles are tasty or moths are kind of neat. I mean, why not? Nothing in this entire comment section has anything to do with Mikhail Popkov. Uh, Rupert Rupert doesn't seem to even understand how news works on any level. Posting, what is he doing in America? He's, he what? He's not in America, you fucking idiot. The broadcasters are in America. <laughs> like they have a screen behind them. You realize that that's not a window into something happening right in the studio. It's a, it's a TV screen behind the people on the TV. They're talking about somebody in Russia. They state that in the video. They say that he is in the worst prison in Russia. And who replies? I am eight. Back again. Of course, this time posting, he was hiding in Hillary's dungeon with the rest of them and the children. Oh, you got to fucking work Pizzagate into this place. Nice. And guess who can't let that comment slide? Anne B. She's back. She posts, I am eight. No, that was you under Bill's desk. A Lewinsky reference. They cannot stop. I'm not sure anyone in the comment section even watched the entire 48 seconds. Uh, they didn't show up to shit on Mikhail. They showed up to shit on each other, as they so often do. Oh, well. I still enjoyed a little break from the werewolf. Uh, but now I want to get back to him. I want to shit on him. So let's get out of today's Idiots of the Internet. Idiots of the Internet. Uh, been a while since we sucked on a serial killer like uh, Popkov. Uh, he reminds me mostly compared to the people we've done before, of BTK, Dennis Rader. Uh, solid husband, great dad, soulless butcher of others. Uh, body count, obviously, a lot higher with Popkov. But both had an interest in law enforcement. Uh, both used it to find their victims. You know, Dennis was staking out victims while he was setting up ADT security systems, and Popkov used his badge to kidnap, rape, and kill. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, still, so strange how well the human mind can co- compartmentalize. Like how someone can be a warm, loving father and then just brutally rape, torture, kill women, roughly the same age as his daughter. Uh, It reminds me strangely of Nazis in a way, right? How did some of them do what they did to Jewish people, Romani people, homosexuals, others? They dehumanized them. They decided to believe that those people were not only less than human, they were a disease afflicting humanity itself. And and when you go there in your head, then suddenly not only is it not immoral to kill, it's noble. It's, It's heroic. A lot easier to hurt and kill when, when, you, uh, when you believe that, when you have that belief system. Same with Popkov, man. He, how did he torture and kill so many women? He rationalized that he was doing society a favor. He was helping Russia, just like Chikatilo thought he was doing. Cleaning out the unclean. Uh, Popkov, was, was, he was ridding humanity, ridding his community of filthy women. Uh, he told one Russian uh, uh, media outlet, Medusa, that any society condemns the behavior of a debauched woman. 
said he would only attack the kind of woman who behaved as if she didn't care where we went and the most important thing to her was partying. What a fucking piece of shit. Why not fucking let her party, you fucking asshole? Uh, He despised these women. He thought that she'd be home. Thought that they had no value because they wanted to have some drinks. Thought they were morally corrupting society. Uh, And he just couldn't see how he, in fact, is the real corruption, right? He was the monster. He was the, the the person, you know, bringing down Russian society the whole time. And the meat sack brain can get so twisted if you're not careful. Got to keep an eye on those thoughts. You got to keep talking to others. Keep your thoughts in check. Make sure that when you think that you're cleaning the world up, that you're not, in fact, one of the assholes making it fucking filthy. Uh, so let's recap about uh, how not how not to live your life uh, with today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, uh, 55 former, uh, 55-year-old former Siberian police officer Mikhail Viktorovich Popkov has been convicted of killing 70, uh, seven women and one man. He currently sits in solitary confinement in Russia's most notorious prison, the Black Dolphin, serving a life sentence. Number two, nearly all of Mikhail's victims were from Angarsk, one of the saddest cities I've ever read about. The coolest thing I read about Angarsk was its Museum of Clocks and Watches, and that place is shit. Uh, It has a 20-mile-long industrial park and has some of Russia's most adverse environmental conditions. Hard pass. Hard pass on Angarsk. Number three, one of Popkov's victims, a 17-year-old girl found beaten, raped, and left to die naked in the woods, lived and positively identified him, and the police didn't give a shit. Russia in the 90s, between Popkov and Alexander Pachushkin's stories, historically Pretty good place to get away with being a serial killer. Number four, Popkov supposedly stopped killing before he was caught because he became impotent via a case of syphilis he claims to have caught from one of his victims that he waited too long to treat, which is possible. I now know that because I have added, can syphilis make you impotent to my already extremely disturbing internet search history? Uh, Number five, new info, Mikhail's wife, Alina, finally left him after his second conviction And his daughter no longer believes he's innocent. Uh, That has to sting for this deranged family man. And to add further insult, his wife just left him for one of the investigators who helped catch him. Ha! Ha ha! Love it! How weird. Uh, How great. Uh, I hope he thinks about that investigator just fucking his wife with a not impotent dick every day for the rest of his fucking miserable life as he rots in the Black Dolphin. Time suck. Top five takeaways. The werewolf has been sucked. Our third Russian monster. Hard to say which one of the three is the worst. I, I, I think probably still Chikatilo, right? Because to me, the factor is uh, he killed kids. Uh, and he may have killed more than he was convicted for. Uh, h- hard to be worse than the werewolf, but I, I think the butcher of Rostov might even be a little bit more deranged, more horrific, more of Russian, more of Russian maniac. Uh, big thanks to the Time Suck team. Uh, thanks to the Queen of the Suck, Lindsay Cummins, High Priestess of the Suck, Harmony Velikamp, Jesse Guardian of Grammar Dobner, Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley, Time Suck High Priest Alex Dugan, the guys at Bit Elixir, Danger Brain, and Access Apparel. And thank you to Heather at Knowledge Ninja Rylander uh, for finding a uh, very hard to find info about today's maniac. Not easy. Uh, next week, we tackle Napoleon, one of the greatest military minds Europe uh, and possibly the world has ever seen. An emperor who was able to conquer much of Europe in the early 19th century, even if he couldn't hold on to it for very long. Hard to do, hard to hold on to it uh, when pretty much all of Europe, other than, uh, you know, your French contingent is fighting against you. 
His army discovered the Rosetta Stone, which unlocked the history of Egypt. Let us uh, understand the hieroglyphics. He pissed off Beethoven. Beethoven was a huge admirer of Napoleon, but then when Napoleon crowned himself as emperor of France, Beethoven is said to have flown into a, quote, rage and cried out, is he too then nothing more than an ordinary human being? Now he too will trample on the rights of man and indulge only his ambition. And then Beethoven went over to the table, took a hold of the uh, title page of uh, uh, some symphony or whatever he'd been working on about uh, Napoleon, fucking tore it in two and threw it on the floor. Next Monday, we're going to get curious. We're going to learn uh, about uh, how Napoleon was not actually short, about how he once wrote a romance novel, and all other sorts of fun details about one of Europe's most important and interesting historical figures. Time now for today's Time Sucker Updates. Updates? Get your Time Sucker Updates. First update today is from Jesse Woodgate. Uh, I actually gave her a nightmare, apparently. She writes, Dearest Suckington Smith avec les pristine beardingtons. Okay, okay. So the brown recluse climbed up my bottom <laughs> in my dream. I like it already. Uh, I was just trying to catch someone's attention in your team for a higher cause, as, as I know you must get a shit ton of messages. We do, and we're very thankful for that. Although I do think that it may please you to know... <laughs> To know that I did, in fact, have a nightmare. The giant brown recluse spiders crawled all over me and up my bum hole. Ah, that's so funny to me. I actually woke up in a pool of sweat in the night. Yes, you managed to totally horrify my subconscious with that one. Although you consciously didn't get me, I knew it was bullshit. Uh, so clearly you're from across the pond. I like. It. I, I was going to message you a while ago, but this. Uh, but you probably wouldn't appreciate me spitting my... <laughs> My dream drivel all over you. Uh, the thing that calls me to right now is to see if you might be able to do a shout out for my friend to see if uh, any of your wonderful listeners would consider giving some money towards his cause. I'm sure you get a ton of requests like this, but I thought I would give it a try as my friend Michael is amazing and his story is particularly unfair and fucked up. Michael is 36, has been diagnosed with a rare cause of aggressive stage four cancer in his bowel, which has spread to his liver. He found out just weeks before his baby girl was due to be born. I can't even imagine how he must have felt having to go home the day he got the news to tell his heavily pregnant wife, Lauren, that he'd been diagnosed with incurable cancer, especially as Lauren's father is also suffering from late stage cancer. Pretty unfair and fucked up, right? Yes. My God. Can you imagine the level of stress and sadness? Nope. Nope, I can't. And uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, so to bring me to my point, there is a treatment available that could potentially extend Michael's life so he can be there for his wife and daughter, but it's thousands and thousands of pounds. So his friends have set up a funding page and we are all trying to think of anything and everything we can do to get people to donate and help us to try to keep this amazing father, funny as fuck and loyal friend and just all around amazing person with us as long as possible. I know you get tons of these, but if you decide to share this with the fellow time suckers, I'd be eternally grateful. The link to this uh, GoFundMe page is gofundme.com slash F slash team dash monk. I am putting that in today's episode description. Uh, also, do want to say that I bloody love your podcast, love all the detailed information and all your dotty side rants. <laughs> I love the word dotty to describe someone being nutty. Even the peculiar uh, singing, and I find your air banjo really funny. I'm an artist, and I listen to your podcast all day long in my studio. And I would say that it was your pod that has gotten me into podcasts in general. I'm like a greedy knowledge sponge. I need more and more. Give me more. I tell everyone I meet about the podcast and have several mates that now listen to it as well. Anyway, this is complete waffly waffletons at this stage. Thanks if you have read this so far and hope to hear from you soon. Best, Jesse XX. Well, Jesse, uh, thank you so much for writing in. T 
terrible, terrible about your friend. Yes, uh, we do get a lot of these requests. We can't always put them all in the show. Sometimes they just get missed with episode prep. But um, yes, putting that link in there. What God, what tragedy on tragedy on tragedy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sometimes when life is going well, it can be easy to forget about how, you know, some people just get motherfucked. And, uh, and I noticed that uh, r- roughly 100,000 pounds has been raised already. Thank God. I hope that can, you know, extend... Uh, this poor, poor father's life, and and hopefully some more people can donate and extend it further. Uh, National Park Mysteries update from uh, Jacob uh, Bodai. Uh, hi, my name is Jacob Bodai, long-time, long-time space lizard and fan of your stand-up. I got a chance to meet you after your Cleveland stand-up show last year, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in Cleveland again next month. Thank you. I am writing as I'm listening to the National Park suck. My wife and I are avid backpackers and actually did about a 60-mile loop in Yosemite a few years ago. Hiking from Yosemite Valley up uh, to the top of Half Dome, across Clouds Rest, through Cathedral Peak, up to Tulum Meadows, back to the valley. I'm not writing you to toot my own horn about the backpacking I've done, but to emphasize the following. The national parks are much more dangerous than people may think. While I think a lot of people are used to having well-defined boundaries, keeping them away from potentially dangerous things, that is not the case in Yosemite and many other parks. When we made it to the top of Half Dome, my wife got a picture of me sitting on the edge of a cliff almost 5,000 feet above the valley floor below. There are visitors that die every year getting too close to this cliff or that waterfall. I think people sometimes think to themselves, if it was that dangerous, there would be some sort of sign or chain uh, keeping you from going there, which is more often than not, not the case. You can be on a well-marked trail close to a ranger or visitor station and make one wrong move that can cost you your life, even as a group of four experienced backpackers backpackers with a map and compass. We still got lost for two hours trying to find our way out of Cathedral Lake. The weather out there is some sort of sick joke. It would go, it would get up to 90 during the day, but we would still have to cross hundreds of yards of ice and snow at a time, and at night it would drop into the 20s. I say this as a reminder that was driven home this last week. Mother Nature doesn't give a single fuck about you. Last week, a PhD student living in Iowa that I went to high school with went missing in Canyonlands National Park. He is an experienced long-distance backpacker and rock climber. He set out from the trailhead alone, left no itinerary with loved ones. Three days after the search, his body was found at the bottom of a 500-foot cliff. Not that it would have saved his life, but hiking with a buddy or leaving an itinerary would have led to a shorter search, less time for his friends and family to be left wondering what happened. I'm not trying to scare anyone from going out into the woods, but keep in mind that Mother Nature does not give a fuck about you or how experienced you are. One wrong step, one slip up, one stiff breeze is all it could take to kill you out there. I'll wrap up saying rest in peace, Jonathan Bud Hogue, hail Nimrod, praise Bojangles, fuck they like, begone Lucifina, unless you're bringing some of that sweet, sexy ghost time. And, uh, and I can't wait to see you again in Cleveland. Be careful out there, suckers, Jacob Bodai. Yeah, man, thanks for that reminder. That's the kind of stuff I talk about, especially my son, Kyler, all the time. And Rose, a little more uh, careful. But him, it's like, he just, you know, is such a joyous little dude. And we, and we go camping. He's out there bouncing around in the woods. I'm like, dude, that's a fucking cliff five feet away from you. Right? This isn't a, a movie. And everything's not necessarily just going to be guaranteed to work out. Like, and, and he likes like to goof around and like he act like he's brave by going close. I'm like, no, that, that's just fucking dumb. Right? This isn't like a guaranteed. I was thinking about this with cliff edges. Uh, the universe hasn't said, this is going to hold forever. This, this, there's no way this will slip. This embankment will slip a little bit. It's like one slip and then there you go. Is that really worth a, a selfie? You know, just stand back a little bit. Ver- uh, okay. Uh, Order of the Solar Temple update. This is awesome. From Flora Hood. 
Uh, hey, suck, ma- suck master. I'm sure others have sent this in. They haven't. But wanted you to know that the secret behind DeMombro's hologram masters, they sound a lot like Pepper's Ghost, an old theater technique popularized by John Henry Pepper in 1862. Basically, a plate of glass is placed at an angle where it is hidden by the audience or hidden from the audience and is between the stage and a hidden room off stage. When the lights in the hidden room are turned on, the lights in the theater are dimmed. Whatever is placed in the hidden room reflects onto the stage, appearing like a ghost or hologram. It's actually how Disney makes the ghost appear in the Haunted Mansion ride. Add in drugs, which sounds like what uh, DeMombro was definitely doing. New members could conceivably believe that ancient masters were coming and talking to them. Uh, that's a rough explanation, but I hope it made sense. Thanks for letting me ramble and use my random theater knowledge. Love to suck and how it could, uh, lets me continue to learn new things every week and add to the knowledge I already have of certain subjects. Keep on doing what you do. Daughter of Lucifina, Flora. Thank you, Flora, because I no, I did not know that. I, uh, that makes so much sense. Because I was like, how are they pulling off? Like In my mind, I'm thinking of like CGI, like film techniques. I'm like, oh, there's this. Okay. When I read that, I'm like, there's a simple technique that he could have done to do exactly what he did. So yeah, that sounds like that's exactly what he did. Um, thank you very much. Uh, finally, we'll end on a cool quasi-topic update slash topic suggestion from Dalton Pfeiffer that I just thought was interesting and fun to share. Uh, I don't share as much of these like kind of topic suggestions as much, but this is interesting to me. The subject line is my mom, the domestic terrorist. Greetings, Grandmaster Sucker, a.k.a. Triple M's angelically voiced conduit, a.k.a. the relentless spoon man, Come together with your hands, a.k.a. Dan. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to wait until I was all caught up before I wrote in and take some time to brainstorm what I wanted to say. Well, here I am, you beautiful bastard. I want to start off by saying that I've become a huge fan of your comedy for about three years now and became ecstatic when I found out that you had a podcast a few months ago. Sorry I missed your show when you were in Wisconsin, but on my only day off that week, my brother had to be a selfish piece of shit and propose to his girlfriend. What a mother... Fuck that guy. Uh, She said yes, by the way. Ugh. Uh, now on to the matter of the outrageous subject line. You're probably expecting Triple M to make an appearance around the corner, and while that would be funny, tender Yacht Rock does not translate well from text. Uh, this is a possible gun control, National Park, Catherine Knight, spousal abuse update, slash future topic suggestion. I couldn't decide which. I'll try to keep the story as brief as possible. Here goes. My mom ran out, ran out on the family a few months after my high school graduation about six years ago. It didn't really hit us very hard. For almost 20 years, she was verbally and physically abusive towards my dad and older brothers, especially when they were little. Out of respect to them, I won't go into detail. But needless to say, my dad was the happiest I'd ever seen him after their divorce. Over the next four years or so, I heard all about my mom's wild adventures. From her Vegas wedding to my new stepdick. I love stepdick. To my new stepdick and her taking part in Amon Bundy and Yalkeda's occupation of the Malhur National Wildlife Refuge in Oregon. How did I hear about that, you may ask? The FBI called me while I was at work. In case you or your listeners haven't heard of Yalkeda or the Oregon standoff, it was a 40-day armed standoff between the FBI and militia of about 30 or so people, 30 or so people who took over what essentially is a federal bird sanctuary in the hopes of taking away the government's right to own public lands. <laughs> yes, I heard about this because uh, a few people my mom's knows, uh, mom my mom knows were actually involved. There was a little connection to Riggins, like some people from Riggins used to live in Riggins were actually uh, apparently part of the standoff too. Oh god. Uh it's any was fairly anticlimactic. My stepdad uh, went to prison, but they let my mom grow go. Uh, I only wanted to suggest this because the internet's reaction to the whole ordeal is too priceless to ignore. 
Anyway, I've already taken up too much of your time. I just wanted to throw this idea out there and I'd happily send a link to the YouTube video of my stepdick holding a rifle and screaming for a bloodbath. There's idiot gold in those threads. Love the show. Have a good one, homie. Dalton P.S. Hail Nimrod. Oh, well, thank you, Dalton. And uh, yeah, that that uh, we'll, we'll have to add that to the topic list. And I just um, I just love all the connections that are forming with all the weird things going on in the world. It's just nice that our audience has grown to the point where it seems like, you know, whatever the topic is, somebody has like a personal relationship with it. Uh, you know, they've been involved in the story somehow or know somebody who is or has been. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting uh, thing to look into for sure. I'm sure there is idiot gold in those threads. Thank you all for your updates. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. And that is all for today's Time Sucker Updates. Thanks, Time Suckers. I needed that. We all did. That's all for today, Meat Sacks. I hope you live somewhere that has, uh, you know, more than factories and shitty museums and uh, doesn't have uh, adverse environmental conditions. Uh, hope you had a great week. Hope you don't kill anyone in the woods after tricking them into thinking you're just going to give them a ride home. And uh, most importantly, I, I hope you keep on sucking. Listen, prosecutor, you look, look at me and listen. There's no way Mikhail did it. I, he, like, he make pancake or waffle or toast. You should point me. Point me one person who kill women and like make pancake or if not pancake waffle or if not waffle, at least toast. It does. It's not possible. Uh, it's not possible. I need, I have to go now. I work a late shift at the Museum of Clock. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.